The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome into a special edition of Raiders Roundtable brought to you by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. There's Q Myers and George Atkinson is going to join us on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. I can't wait for that. But Q, you just saw that celebration. Yeah. That was real. I think we'll get to the play, but that was one of the most fascinating finishes I've ever seen in yeah. my life in any sport, right. and it happened at Allegiant Stadium. No doubt. I, and I, that's all I kept saying to myself watching the, the the way that that game unfolded. I said, no matter what sport it is that I've covered and have been blessed to have been able to cover a lot of different sports, I've never seen a game finish like that. And just to have the wherewithal to see how Chandler Jones was able to, you know, get back into the play and make himself a, a factor in the play and then ultimately end the game, it was just amazing. What I thought was critical is we talked about it all week. It was a must win. If yeah. they lose, they're eliminated. They're not eliminated. That's the big picture. No matter how the game was won, mm -hmm. what type of game, rushing yards, passing yards, Chandler Jones makes a play or not, they had to win the game. Right. And I built it up on the radio like you did. I thought this was the game I had circled. They had to play great. They had to win. They had a big lead again, yeah. and they squandered that league and were trailing late in the game and really needed a miracle comeback to win it. They did. It felt like it was about to be another one of those, uh-oh, here we go again yes. type moments, right? I mean, they're up 17-3 at halftime, and you knew that Belichick was going to go into the locker room, make some adjustments, and to their credit, they did, right? They come out of the locker room, they get the pick six immediately, and all of a sudden you know, look out, game on, right? And then it, it got real hairy there. But to the Raiders' credit, they were able to, you know, weather the storm and find a way to battle back. And Derek made some big throws down the stretch. Keelan Cole, who doesn't get a lot of action, mm -hmm. again came up with another big catch, including the the touchdown uh, that allowed to the game to be tied. And then Chandler Jones ends the game with the walk-off. It was incredible. I also think another big point, it was the return of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Yep. Waller had a touchdown. Renfro had a big catch. And they needed to work them in. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they need a lot of time to get worked in. you got to put, put those guys in the game. They're right. superstars in this league. But they played a role in this game along with a lot of other role players. I mean, how about Matt Collins and all the catches he made? Right. Derek was locked into him down the stretch in that game. Was that a surprise to you? A little bit. But then, you know, if you go back and think about it throughout the course of the year, he's been comfortable with Collins, yes, right? Yes. And he doesn't throw the ball unless he's comfortable with you. And to Matt Collins' credit, he has been a target a lot throughout the course of the year. So there's something about Matt Collins 
Collins that Derek's very comfortable with. And, I mean, good for them. They needed every catch from every one of the guys that they got contributions from. I thought the defense played well. It, yeah. They did play well. They had a 17-3 to lead, but then the Belichick team, the team that we knew with the coaches, would mm-hmm. start chipping away. Mac Jones made a couple of plays. They made it in the running game. And I thought there were some breakdowns yeah. with the Raiders at the point of attack. I don't think they got to the ball in the second half with the gang tackling like we talked about leading up to the game. No doubt. And that's something that they're going to have to work on this week mm-hmm. on a short week headed to Pittsburgh because you know the Steelers are going to want to run the Rockets. Absolutely. So for the defense, that was a disappointment that they were able to get gashed so much on the ground. But, you know, to uh, the, I guess the detriment of the Patriots, they decided at times, you know what, we're running the ball really well. Let's go away from it. We just showed the Waller touchdown. A really big point of emphasis I wanted to make is he was wide open. He had about a four, four-and-a-half-yard yeah. lead on that. The Cole catch, he caught it in the back of the end zone, which means he got behind the defender. Mm-hmm. I want to see this team throw deeper more often. How many times have we sat here and yeah. talked about the bombs to Devontae uh, even Holland's missing him. It's on his fingertips. I right think there. the Raiders need to attack over the top a little bit more, only because, Q, I think it's open. I agree. I agree. And they've been getting behind the defenders, and they do need to attack down the field. And a lot of times, you know, I get worried about the offensive line, if they're going to be able to hold up because mm-hmm. you have to allow that play to develop. With a couple of their guys going down, you have to see how they do throughout the course of the week as far as practice goes and if they're able to get back. But, yeah, they have guys that are open, and they're just missing. I mean, there was a couple opportunities on Sunday for Hollins to have a couple big plays that just didn't develop. All week long, we were talking leading up to it and after it here on the short week as they play on Christmas Eve that the Patriots were struggling with their offense. Mac Jones, he regressed because of Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels isn't there anymore. So when you look at what's happening with them, they're in a tough spot overall, and they really struggle moving the ball downfield, but they made a couple of plays to move the chains here. I thought the Raiders were playing more of a bend-don't-break defense in the second half of that game, but fortunately... They hung around, and it gave Derek the opportunity on that final drive. No surprise once again. When you're out of timeouts and you got to play fast, it just seems like they play better. Stop thinking. They yeah. stop thinking and then just go out and play, and that's what we always talk about. A thinking man is a slow man, and so if the Raiders could find a way to get Derek into a mode where he's not thinking at all throughout the course of the game, or even the players, because, again, they just go out and they're running their routes. They know where they have to get. Big fourth down play. They come up with the big first down where you thought that it's over, light, lights out, you know, and then all of a sudden Derek makes a nice throw to Hollins again, picks up a first down, extends the drive, and there you go. I mean, these guys just go out there when they don't have to think about it. They just go out there and play. Well, you've seen it here on the B-roll, and we'll talk more about it. I thought the most critical play of the game, nothing happens with Chandler Jones, nothing happens with Keelan Cole, unless on fourth and ten he hits Hollins on the sideline. If he doesn't hit him and the ball's deflected, it's a bad throw, if, God forbid, he drops it Mm -hmm. and Devontae didn't get that touch – Yep. We're having a different conversation here, and you're in the locker room after right. the game. What are you saying if he doesn't make that play? Once that play was made, I think it took all the pressure off. Mm-hmm. A new set of downs, here we go again. Very in a bizarre way like Baker Mayfield. In the loss to Baker right. Mayfield, he got that first first down, mm-hmm. then there were some mistakes, and then he played free. I thought Derek, after that fourth and ten completion, just attacked and went downfield. I love the way they played. You know, I think that Raider Nation sensed that as well. You're at Allegiant Stadium. I'm at Allegiant Stadium on that fourth and and 10, I think there was that uneasy feeling. It felt like the, the energy in the building was, you know, that, uh-oh, this game is about to be a wrap. Right here, look then, at this play as he breaks through. Yeah. It looked like that was going. And there yeah. were fans that looked Started around there and said, here it is. Yep. This is the way. This is the elimination play. And then yep. they go for two Q here, as you see, and they get it easy. Easy. Yeah, easy. they picked it up really easy. And that's something that shouldn't happen, but it did happen. And, again, to the 
Raiders' credit, they did not quit, and the defense got the ball back and gave them another opportunity. Well, as you see there, that's the Hollins play, and then Derek's at the own 30, thought another critical play. Look, he goes back to him. When you're going back to him, there is a level of comfort there as right. we're taking a look at the video here. Look at Derek stand, standing strong. Great throw down the middle to Waller. Mm -hmm. That was huge. I think that set up the shot that they could take a shot at the end zone. And then a play that's going to go down in Raider history as Cole double taps, gets his feet in, and then the delay happened. <laughs> right. And you're up in the press right. box. I'm with my family in my <laughs> seats. And I looked at it again. The cleats are white on the top, and there is black on the bottom. Yep. And everybody's wondering what kicked up there. Was it the white or the black mm -hmm. that kicked up? What were you thinking at that point as it kept going on and on and on for well, this delay? I'll tell you what when I saw the replay I thought okay his foot was out it looked like it felt like his foot was out but uh, I always said thank goodness for the white and black cleats there because the black kind of blended in with the end zone as well so there was no kind of evidence right. to prove that it was out and you know again you saw pellets pop up as well so yeah. I felt like you know what there's a chance his foot was in and then here comes the lateral here in one of the more reckless plays <laughs> ever Chandler Jones gets it the get-out-of-my-way play, right. just stiff-arms Mac yeah. Jones and then look at him celebrating coming into the end zone. Q, you were up in the press box there for that, too, and you've been in there a bunch. You're still a young guy. You're going to go to a lot of games in your career. That must have been some moment. It was. It was. It was one that I've never seen ever before, and you know how it is in the press box. You have to be real calm and quiet. Yeah. There's no cheering or anything. I don't know who the young lady was sitting next to me, but I literally <laughs> grabbed her arm and was like, what is going on here? And then I stood up and looked at Mark McMillan. I was like, what is going on here? Is this, did I just witness that? And so, yeah, that was one of those moments that even the press box got a little a little edgy there. Yeah, let's take a look at the playoff picture now and what the Raiders need. They obviously need help mm -hmm. at 6-8, and eight, one at a time with Pittsburgh here, but they own the tiebreaker with the Patriots. Obviously, the Jaguars have the tiebreaker over the Raiders with yep. the win there. I thought the biggest win of the week was the Chargers. Again, how did they win? Oh, I know. Herbin yeah. on that final drive sets up the game-winning field goal. They're 8-6, and six, so the Raiders need – one of those two teams, the Chargers especially, to lose coming up here. And I love this scenario here. Lose two of the final three games, one or both. Right. One or both. So let's assume it's the Dolphins. Okay. I think the Dolphins could lose two out of their three final games. They're not playing well. I think the Patriots are going to lose one of their final three. I know the Jets are going to lose one of their final three. Of course, the Jaguars are not going to run the table. But the key here, Q, is yep. the Raiders got to win all three games. And I think it's doable because of Brock Purdy. And I don't know if Kansas City will have anything to play for right. in that last game. If they have the two seed completely locked up and can't get the one, why would they go out there and risk injury? Right. Well, I'll say this. Wouldn't it be sweet for the Raiders to go on this little bit of a revenge tour? They started yeah. it off with the Patriots. And then up next, you have the Steelers. And, and we know about the immaculate reception, immaculate deception, I should say. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, you got the 49ers. You know that old battle of the Bay. And then close things out with the Chiefs. Wouldn't it be nice to see them go on a little bit of a revenge tour to close out the season? Well, you win your games, let everything else uh, you know, you, fall where it falls. And you and I, and we've been doing it on the radio. It's <laughs> one at a time, right? Yeah, one it's at one a time, at brother. Time, one at a time. This is a Christmas yep. Eve game. Yep. On the 50-year anniversary, mm -hmm. almost to the day, of the Immaculate Reception, the guy who donned the name the Immaculate Deception, one of the all-time great Raider legends, George Atkinson, will join us next on Raiders Roundtable. When you're a part of a team, there are expectations. And one of the things I expect from my team is trust. I work hard to win, and I trust my team to work hard too. That's why I feel good about America First Credit Union. They're my financial team, and I trust that they'll always be there for me and my community. I'm Hunter Renfro, 
Join me and the America First team today. 60 years in the making, the Raiders now have a permanent place to call home, and the doors are open to get a world-class behind-the-scenes tour of their new home. An attraction unlike any other in Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. The Las Vegas Raiders invite you to experience the expertly guided tour that includes exclusive access to areas restricted to only football players, coaches, and staff. For more information, visit AllegiantStadium.com forward slash tours. 50 seconds after he crossed the goal line, this bothered him. And 50 years later, nobody knows what the hell happened. Frenchie came into the locker room. He said, I hit that. I hit it. Oh, hit me. What happened after that is truly immaculate. I hear footsteps. I said to myself, damn, that's Tatum. I didn't know it. Doink, doink, and down the sideline. They say, we don't know what happened. I said, I know you don't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. This place would erupt into a riot if they were to disallow the touchdown. Jack, not too far. In, forward. In two Exactly. Ball. Bang. There it is. Right there. Oh, that angle tells you exactly yeah. what happened. I call it the immaculate deception. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. A very special guest, dear to me, the legend George Atkinson. Fifty years later, the Immaculate Reception. And George, first, thanks for doing this. I got to assume it hurts just as much today, almost 50 years later, than it was back in the day when you were on the field. You know, 50 years ago, I never would have thought that this would still be a fire lit in me, you know. When I say that, it's memories that you never forget. And I think it was the greatest game I've ever played in. It was a defensive battle, and uh, we were up 7-6. Only one touchdown in the game, and a lot of plays I still remember. What amazes me about all the Hall of Famers in this game, the list is incredible. So at that time, you can't look into the future 30 years, 20 years to think of the players. Let's begin with that. Your teammates and then the opponents. I still think that is the greatest era in the history of the NFL. As you look at that list with your teammates from Gene Upshaw to Jim Otto, Willie Brown, Art Shell, these are some of the best friends of your life and greatest teammates. And then on the other side, you look at the Steelers, Joe Green and the Steel Curtain, Franco, Mel Blunt, who you know well, and the great Terry Bradshaw, the players in the game. Let's begin with that. Oh, man, hey, interesting. You know, I look at that list and, man, it's a who's who in football. Yes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the, the talent that was on the field that day 50 years ago. And, you, you know, like you say, uh, when you're going through it, you never would think that this would be a part of your life forever. You know, and, and it has been. As we previewed the documentary, and what a great job by everybody involved in this. What I thought was interesting when they said, and Freddie said, they switched off where you played that game. You had the better record. 
That game nowadays would have been played in Oakland. You got to go play that game in Pittsburgh, and you think about the rivalry and the cold and the calendar where it is. And French even said for them it was buckle up week. You had to know going into that game this was maybe going to be the toughest, most physical game of your life. Well, whenever we play Pittsburgh, it just kept getting better and better because neither one of us wanted to lose, and we didn't like each other. And you know, we we were a challenge for each other in the conference. So. Every time we played them that I can remember, it was epic. And we had some epic battles. Uh, we had some great, great rivalries. And like you said, with those names that were up there, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, all those guys on the field at the same time playing. Was it about intimidation, physical play? Uh, yeah. Did you think you could intimidate them? You had an edge yeah. over the Steelers but back it, then? It wasn't about thinking you had to do it. If you set out to intimidate, you better intimidate because if not, you're going to get intimidated. You had to back it up. You had to back it up. So it was always, I mean, and, and two good football teams. You know, you can't take a thing from Pittsburgh as, as being one of the greatest teams, you know, in the NFL. And we were, too. And we both won Super Bowls. And we met each other a couple, three times for the Super Bowl. They won two. We won one. But that particular game, as I said, Sticks with me of all the all of all the games that we played against Pittsburgh, that game never left me, and I still have remnants of plays, and I can go back and almost tell you exactly what happened when. It's it's amazing. Well, let's look back at the game because okay. I knew this when I looked at the documentary and watched it as we previewed it. Zero zero at the half. Mm-hmm. That can't happen anymore in this league because no. it's a high flying league, right? Exactly. Zero zero. What do you remember about halftime going into the locker room? No score because LaMonica starts. Right. We'll get to Snake later. What are you thinking in this game knowing it's no the, score we were, in a, we were in a dogfight. Right. You know, we were in a dogfight. And, hey, mentally and physically, you had to be up to par. Because, I mean, when you're playing Pittsburgh, it's a physical game. And they had a physical offense. We had a physical defense. So from a defensive perspective, and what what I remember is that every play meant something. So yardage was valuable, and we didn't want to give up none, and they were trying to get yardage. So it was two objects. (laughs) Colliding. Well, it said in the documentary, 0-0 at the half, and we saw that you were keying on Franco, the game plan. So when you go back to that game plan and you think about, was it stopping the run? Because Bradshaw is a hell of a player there, but before they have their legendary receivers, was that the strength of that team? You had to take Franco and limit him in that game as Franco's The offense went through Franco. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, we had to we had to cut off that that off tackle play that they they ran a lot, and we had to we had to make sure nothing up the middle. So and he was big back, he would wear on you, and as time goes on, they they knew where their bread and butter was. Like I said, the game plan went through Frank Franco, and they featured him uh, during that during that year. Now, Daryl LaMonica was a great player, a legendary Raider. He comes out of this game because the Steelers get two field goals, one with 9.52 to go in the third, one that made it 6 nothing, 3.50 to go in the third, then the decision to go to Snake. And then Snake, who was a great friend of yours and a great teammate, has the greatest run of his life. And that goes back. He had the mud run at Alabama. He only had a few, but that run was beautiful as he came around the edge. And what were you thinking when Snake scored and crossed oh, the I goal line? He, I knew he would score. Snake and I came in the league together. Yes. And the reason he had the name Snake 
is because when he was at Alabama, he was a hell of a runner. You know, Snake could run the yep. football. So, he's, you know, his leg was bad, but he still had instincts uh, to get to the end zone. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, when he came in, actually it kind of lit a fire up under us. And uh, when he scored, and our defense has said, hey, they're not going to get on the board. We're not going to let them score a touchdown today. And we, we didn't until the immaculate deception. And Stabler scores 30 yards to make it 7-6 with 1.17 to go. So this is not three minutes where they could have a drive. They had to score pretty quickly here. So let's get to the play. Let's take a look at this play, as you call it, the immaculate deception. Let's roll on this and see what happens. So as Bradshaw goes back, the pass rush, George, right there is real strong. Yeah, Tony Klein had a great shot at him, and uh, he missed him. As Franco's going down the sideline, let's talk about Phil Villapiano. Phil said, and he's had so many hours on NFL Network with NFL Films, that he had an angle to get him and he was clipped. He was. Let's talk about that. You think Phil would have got to him? Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he had a good angle. And he was clipped. And you may see it on, on this tape right here. That's Horace Jones. 82. What a pass rush. You had yeah. three guys near him. Yeah. All right, let's go to the play here with Frenchie and Jack and pick it up. And what you saw initially right there as we freeze it and it comes out of that. With Fuku's hand in the, in the hit right by there, yeah, Right there, right there. That's the Phil. clip, yeah. You know, I was on the other side of the field, and I saw Jack knock Fuqua into the ball. And the ball ricocheted, I thought, off of his helmet mm-hmm. uh, into the hands of uh, Franco. And it was questionable whether the ball touched the ground or not before Franco caught it. Yes, and on that play, so you guys all contend because you were there and you saw it, that mm-hmm. Frenchie's hands, both hands were going to the ball. So the hand hit the ball first as Jack got to Frenchie. And the fact that he hit the ball with his hands, it's a double tap. Yeah, uh, there was a rule during, uh, during that time that two offensive players couldn't touch the ball on Correct. the same play. And that's what the controversy was about. Uh, Jack knocked Fuqua, like I said, from the angle I had, which was across field. Jack knocked Fuqua into the ball, and I thought it hit his helmet. It may have touched his hands. I, I, I'm not certain, but I did see it ricochet off of his helmet. No doubt about that. So, yeah. Frenchie, when you see Frenchie and you see the preview and Frenchie's going to say he's going to take it to his grave, <laughs> the relationship of – it was very cool to see the relationship of Raymond Chester and Frenchie and you guys. Yeah, they went to Frenchie. college together. Right, right. Yeah. When, you, when you got him on the phone still to this day and the banter that goes uh, back and forth. Definitely. I mean, you know, hey, we were all in the game together and during the off-seasons – you, you you hang with guys, certain guys. Uh, during the season, bets off. <laughs> so after that play happens, you're on the field, uh-huh. as you call it, the immaculate deception. You're there, and then chaos ensues. And you've never seen anything like this. And fans, walk me through the fans lining up in the concourse to come down on the field as this long delay begins. Look, they came down on the field. They were, I mean, all over the field. And there was a dugout there. You know, the, the Pirates, I think, played in the yep. stadium. And the officials went into the dugout. And a lot of us got down to the dugout to see what was going on. There was no instant replay there at that time. The NFL hadn't, hadn't installed it. So we're standing there waiting, and one of the officials said, is there enough security here? 
And you were there for that. Fact. You were yeah. there for that. That's Uncle Sal was moment. there. I was there. Tatum was there. And a couple of other guys. And uh, that came out of the dugout. Referee went to the middle of the field. Touchdown. So I, they must have, I, I didn't hear the answer, but evidently they told him not enough security. And it was a security issue, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. It was that much insanity that wouldn't happen. And the fans were, I mean, they were all over us. Now, we, we saw the video of Mr. Davis and what he wanted to do upstairs, but you're there with your coach, John Madden, mm-hmm. and all the times you were with Coach Madden during a game, take me back in your mind of how vocal he was. He was trying to end this game with, with, by telling the refs what he knew. It seemed like John Madden was the only guy down there who knew the rule who was right. trying to tell that yeah. to the refs. Tell us well, about that. Well, you know, he was, he was talking to them about the double – the double touch. Right. Of two offensive players, and Jack knocked Fuqua into the ball, which now all bets are off for offensive players. But Franco caught it and ran it in. Well, John's contention was it, it was not allowable yeah. because two offensive players touched the ball. And um, it was evident that the officials didn't know what was going on. Uh, for them to go into the huddle and, and the dugout, to confer, not only for security, but to also talk about the play. And when they came out with the touchdown, it was obvious. I mean, it took too long for one thing. Like I said, it wasn't no instant replay, so they didn't have nothing to, sh- to replay it, to show it. So quite naturally, John is going to defend his rights, and his rights were that, hey, the game's over. One of the most intense looks that I've seen is our friend and your former teammate, Pete Banizak. The look of yeah. amazement. And yeah. Freddie was, walking away. And so did it did you sense it, that the longer this took we you were, were gonna coming get, out on the short end. You were gonna come out on the short end exactly. the longer it took. The longer it took. And we knew this. So uh, when they signal touchdown, I mean it was like, you know, your heart had already dropped. You know, by that time. You were anticipating yeah. that it was going to yeah. go the wrong way. Cause it yeah, we were hoping of- that it would go the right way, which would be no touchdown. Right. And uh, it didn't. So uh, it, it's, it's a feeling that, that you experience that you cannot explain to anyone, but it's, it's a deep feeling and it leaves a lasting memory. I've never asked you this. Jack Tatum was not only your great teammate, but like a brother to you. What were your memories of Jack in the locker room? Because we hear about the silence. You could hear a pin drop. It takes you a while to get out of your uniform. What, what do you and Jack say at some point in the locker room? Uh, I don't remember saying, talking to anyone for a while. Wow. Uh, I mean, uh, I can't tell you because I, I was in my own self and my own world at that point of shock. Basically, you know, we played hard, man. Yeah, yeah. That was a high fort game, and we gave it 100%, and we held them scoreless, like we said. Our goal was to not let them in the end zone. That's what our, our goal was during the week. They would not score on us, and they didn't until the immaculate deception. Well, we heard also you come back, and you, by the time you land after that game, it's Christmas Eve, you're back in Oakland, and what was that like the next day or two, the closure of a season on top of a game like still, that? S- still stunned. Still stunned. You know, I think Jack and I may have talked the day after mm-hmm. with uh, just the words, can you believe this? You know, and... Uh, I guess the only satisfaction that comes out of this is that the next week Miami beat them. 
Yes. And uh, I think that's the only satisfaction that comes out of that. We like think we softened them up for Miami. Now, this is you. This is George Atkinson on his own saying immaculate deception. Right. And everybody who was there, that has stayed. That's part of your legacy and what people remember of all the great George Atkinson moments. And we have the list of all the famous Raider games we were looking at <laughs> from all the games, the Heidi games, Sea of Hands, the Immaculate uh, Reception, Sugar Bear Hamilton, uh, Ghost to the Post. You're in all these was, great all name games. games. Exactly. But when you said immaculate deception, did you realize that that would stay with you and Raider fans would come up to you and airports and at the field and talk about this 50 years later. I know. I know. No, I didn't. I just call it like I saw it. Yeah. I mean, hey, it was natural because it was deception. You know, we were deceived and uh, the fans were deceived and uh, it, it, was, it was just natural. It just came out. Jack and I were talking one day and it just came out. What do you remember about Mr. Davis after that offseason and you guys knew you were close. That could have been a Super Bowl and you get to Super Bowl Eleven. there's still a lot of time between that game, the immaculate reception game, to your first Super Bowl, your Super Bowl with the team. Was that what fueled you in the offseason and years to come? you, you got to remember that the Raiders were in seven championship games when I played and one before I played. So they had played in eight yeah. championship games. So we were, and I played in those seven. The only one I didn't play in was the Super Bowl year before I got mm -hmm. there. And each year we were dedicated to winning. First win the division, then the conference, and get to the Super Bowl. And we always thought we were a Super Bowl team. And we had always said that if we ever got into the Super Bowl, we would win it because we didn't think a team in the NFC could beat us. And whenever we played NFC teams, if you look back during that time, we pretty much dominated it. That's a really NFC. good point. I want to I want to stop you for a second. You really felt like the AFC championship was the Super Bowl. Oh, the, those were the, clearly the best two teams. Without a and doubt, the winner of that game just had to take care of business without, in the Super that's Bowl. That's it. That's it. And. Uh, so, uh, you know, each year we rededicated ourselves. We always thought going into every season that we were the best team. It, no doubt. You know, we were the best team. And in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. In order to be the best, you got to prepare to be the best. And we did that. We prepared. Our preparation for games were intense. The hardest games I played were in practice when we practiced against my offense. As we wrap this up, that was the toughest game you ever played in. Most physical, toughest game. And you won a Super Bowl and played in all those other big games. Right. That's what stays with you. I know about the immaculate deception yeah. and the way they look. But you remember, which I love about you, the physicality oh, yeah. and how you wanted to hold them to no touchdowns. No touchdowns. That stays with That's you. That's how, hey, I, I, we didn't believe teams should score on us. Yeah. You know. You proved that. That is airing tonight, the immaculate Reception. Watch on Raiders.com. Yeah, well, that's the way you call it. They're <laughs> <laughs> calling it the Immaculate Reception. Raiders at Steelers. You can watch that at Raiders.com or Raiders YouTube. December 20th, 2022, 7 p.m. Pacific. We've had a lot of conversations, you and I, over the yes, years. Yes, we have. You're the reason why I'm in the studio. You know that. I really appreciate well, you. Well, hey, man. You deserve it. <laughs> well, you you telling us about what this meant means everything to us. We'll continue more on the conversation, the anniversary, and the Raiders win. How about that win with Chandler Jones right here on Raiders Roundtable?
Thanks for coming back to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. How about George Atkinson? I'll never forget that. George had a lot to say there because yeah. he's a legend. And right. how about all the big games he played in? And that was the toughest game right. that he ever played in. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's always great when you're able to just kind of be a fly on the wall and listen to the conversations of the greats yeah. and, and talk about games like that. And, uh, man, this game on Saturday is going to obviously have so many emotions going through it. And, and just to hear from all-time great with the Raiders, is uh, it was that was a pleasure. Yeah, and the schedule makers knew what they were Oh, absolutely. They, knew they ain't no they dummies. There was someone in that room that said, wait a second. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And all that as mm-hmm. we get rolling. We want to spend some time again on Chandler Jones and what this does for his legacy. It's a short yeah. one so far. He's just got here. But you think that play is going to clean up a lot of the negativity that we saw with him this year? A lot of fans were on him, right. wanted to see. And then he has one of the greatest plays, if not if not the greatest play in Raider history regular season to close out a game. It very well could be, you know, and I think that it really, he started to clean up his, I guess, legacy with the Raiders, I feel like a few weeks ago, right? When he had that breakout game where he had the three sacks, you could see the relief. But the other thing, JT, is being in the locker room and talking to Coach McDaniels on the regular, and you do that as well, knowing how much he means to the team, regardless of stats. We look at stat lines, we look at sacks, we look yeah. at hurries and pressures, but for every player in that locker room to a T saying, you guys have no idea how much this guy brings to the table, and then they're happy for the success when they have a big play like that, or he makes a big play like that. They say, yeah, of course Chandler Jones made that play. As we look at does. this, look at the black hole, look at the fans there, look <laughs> what Max did yeah. after Myers threw, threw it. Threw Jacoby down. <laughs> yeah, and as we go through this play again, I yeah. cannot believe that a Belichick team did that right with Matt Patricia I'm not saying they have to coach that it should be mm-hmm. obvious cue that you don't have to coach to right. your players don't lateral a ball it'll go down in history because the score was tied if they mm-hmm. were down one it makes or sense. down three you're lateraling right. it all day long if you yep. can but what do you think went through at that point for them to even think of doing that I have no idea I'm just assuming that that as playmakers as as athletes and competitors you're just trying to finish yeah. it you're trying to be the hero but like you said a Belichick team doesn't look for heroes Belichick teams are disciplined they don't extend the ball out of the goal line if they're you know running towards the end zone because they don't want to have a touchback I mean they do everything discipline and it just seems like there was a lack of discipline and that wasn't the only play there was a lot of plays in the game where it just felt like it was a very undisciplined team game-winning fumble recovery as time expired Dave Casper the holy roller Mm -hmm. legendary they changed the rule you can't kick it forward into the end zone one time before that 1960 with New England and then Chandler Jones. So, Q, that's a really short list that very, he's on. Very, very. The Raiders are involved in two of them, and the Patriots are involved in two of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's that's pretty incredible, right? But, yeah, man, that's a heck of a list, a very short list. But, again, man, when Chandler Jones goes up and skies up there and gets that ball, and then I see Mac Jones on the ground, I'm thinking, he's not going to. And then he throws him down. It was unbelievable. I realized that's game. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the fans here for a second because I was in the post-game lounge ready to do yeah, this in the Modelo right. Cantina Club, and there were fans. I saw the fans walking by, the New England fans, mm-hmm. in shock, right. a, a disbelief. And look at the Raider fans there. Wow. For those who say, who's there, how many fans are the other yeah. team, look at that video of the Raider mm-hmm. fans. You, you can't find an empty seat. You can't find an empty seat down there in the corner. And, hey, I tip my cap to the Patriot fans. Yeah. They bought tickets. They right. wanted to be there. It's the hottest ticket in the NFL. But for the Raider fans who stayed – and didn't leave. Yeah. And the ones who watched on TV in the sports bars, we love you. And we know that you were behind the team. But the ones who stayed mm-hmm. in their seat for that, 
they saw history. They did, and it's funny. Right after the game, I always go to the locker room. I went onto the field first before oh, I went into the yeah. locker room. Uh, just took some videos of Raider Nation just out there celebrating them having a good time, and even Richie Incognito came onto the field and said, I've never seen anything like that. That's a longtime NFL veteran right now, and he was all uh, pumped up as well in the moment. So, I mean, it's just what that meant for the Raiders and what that meant for Raider Nation at Allegiant Stadium, yes. right? They need to see those because the house we all, of thrills. We know, we know stories of the Raiders and the way games end when it comes to the silver and black but again being in Las Vegas some of these fans are starting to witness it for the first time real quickly the greatest ending to a regular season all time was the Chargers victory last year right because it involved the Steelers yep the Chargers and the Raiders the Raiders go to the playoffs your season ticket over you experienced that yep the Baltimore walk-off win to Lamar Jackson yeah what that meant there's yep. been a lot of big games at Allegiant Stadium now not all of them went the right way but if you're a Raiders season mm-hmm. ticket holder you've seen a lot of good games and I want to credit Josh McDaniels because he needed to beat Bill Belichick. He's the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. That's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. You can imagine the pressure. You know, coach McDaniels plays it very cool yeah. and down low. He praises the opponent mm-hmm. and his team, never him. Congratulations to the coach because you could tell a lot went into that game. And Dave Ziegler, yeah. the GM, coming from that regime. Well, and they've weathered the storm as well, right? I mean, they 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 stuck to their plan. They didn't waver. They didn't worry about outside noise. They just knew that they were going to continue to chop wood. And that's, I know, coach speak, but mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. And you're seeing the results. And more importantly, JT, the players in the locker room are seeing the results. And so that goes a long way in saying, okay, this plan can work. And so that's what I like to see is that success. I was surprised by this stat. I didn't realize he lost to Brian Flores three times. So if you look at his Hmm. record – 14 and 17 all time against his former assistants. Josh McDaniels gets the, you know, you look at Josh McDaniels getting that win the way it was. That's the game that's going to be the memorable one. It's not a Super Bowl. It's not a playoff game, but it was very memorable there. Romeo Cornell, those are good coaches here Mm -hmm. on the list. And look, everybody says Belichick's coaches don't go on to greatness. They had greatness in New England. Yeah. They have a bunch of right. Super Bowl rings in their safes, yep. safety deposit boxes there. But I thought that was important for this head coach to have that moment as a building block for the remainder of this year and going into next year. Yeah, and, and the players in the locker rooms also wanted to to win that game for Josh McDaniels. You know, I know he handed the ball to Chandler Jones right afterwards. We saw that in the locker room. And then we saw Chandler Jones hand the ball right back to him. You know, like, hey, coach, this is for you. And I know guys like Deron Harmon that have been in New England and other guys that have been in New England, really, they felt special about that. Chandler Jones, a former Patriot, Absolutely. making that play against his former team. He felt good about that as well. We got to talk to him in the locker room, so he was pretty excited and pumped up. All right, so with this one game at a time mentality yeah. going into Pittsburgh, here's what happens again. The Raiders have to win. I'd like to see the Raiders get to 7-8 and eight and have a chance to mm-hmm. get to 500 against Absolutely. the 49ers. Because yeah. I believe in that game, the Raiders can win in a shootout, even though the Niners' defense is good, and they need some help. Yeah. And again, it's going to be the Dolphins losing, but what has to happen along the way is one at a time. And I expect the Jaguars, the Jets have been flawed. The Patriots could be done by now. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how they're going to react to what happened there. But the Chargers, I think the Chargers are going to get in. The Chargers are feels like it. Feels like the Chargers are going to go. But the Dolphins, I think they're playing their worst football. They are playing their worst football. And could they lose uh, two of the final three? I think so. So there is hope. I think there's realistic hope. And you and I on Raider Nation Radio last year, remember the Raiders winning four right. in a row under yeah. Mitch Passaccia yep. and running the table there and getting in and having an opportunity. It's, it's not something that they can't do. But, again, yeah. they have to worry about themselves. There's obviously work that they need. They need help from the outside. And, of course, the Jets and Jags will square up in Week 16 on Thursday Night Football to start the week. But it's all about the Raiders. It's all about them handling their business and hoping that uh, someone else gives them a little bit of help. But you got to 
win games. And they can't have a letdown. No letdown. Come on, that's no. the definition no. of a highly emotional win. Right. They'll never have a win like no. that. So a letdown, yep. uh, that can't happen. The coaches have to do a great job. you got too job. much to play for to have a letdown. And they got to right? clean up the penalty. Absolutely. You can't go into Pittsburgh. We just talked about the immaculate reception right. and what happened there. You right. can't go into a game and have penalties no. in Pittsburgh in no. front of that hostile environment. No, you can't, especially the penalties that the Raiders had. False starts, delay of games. You can't have that. If you get delay of games in Pittsburgh, that crowd's just going to get louder and louder and more lathered up and more excited. You've got to be clean. 13 penalties for 90 yards. You can't have that. And you heard Josh McDaniel say, it wasn't the most disciplined game we had, but we won the game. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. We really appreciate you watching. For Q Myers, George Atkinson, I'm JT. Thanks for watching and listening to Raiders Roundtable.